every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12.25 Division, deception, misinformation, mistrust. In a nation where so many in the faith are wondering how we got here, and many question if there's any way to reconcile, we bring you a space designed to ensure that truth reclaims the fringes, open, honest, and real. No filter. Nothing is off limits. Nothing is out of bounds. This is Two Americas, One God. Christy Lauren Adams. Welcome back to the, well, I mean, it's, yeah, it's still welcome back. That's fine. Welcome back to the podcast. Right now. Welcome Thanks. back. <laughs> it's good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's good Friday. Mm-hmm. Getting ready to, well, do nothing actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so inspirational on this, on this good Friday. What, what are we going to do? You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to. Pay homage to, you know, the understanding that it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. That's right. Hallelujah. Yes. No, no, no. I was texting a friend yesterday and I was like, I don't know what she's doing this weekend, but it's something. I said, my, how our, our Easter weekends have changed in the last, like, over the years. Because uh, when, I, when I was deeper in ministry, it would be like, ooh, going to such and such a seven last word service. And it's like, this would be a busy weekend. And my friend, Jesse, another friend, she's a pastor. So this is a busy weekend for her, but it's not. I'm not really serving at any church um, or I'm not even going to the, my home church um, anymore for a bunch of reasons. But So tell uh, us about your journey, about how you lost your faith. Oh, and- God. <laughs> <laughs> it really sounds like that, but it's just different you're not, when you're not on the end of like, work you know like going and doing it's yeah. just like, really interesting i've always wondered why it's not good thursday because three days later like friday to sunday is not three days well that's the whole thing people don't understand that a part of that is uh you know the, there's the spiritual context of nighttime okay yeah and that's the three days three nights piece there's, there's a lot to unpack in that but basically when when Christ was on the cross and he was separated from God, it was a proverbial night. That's what a lot of people would say nowadays. Uh, so it was nighttime for him, oh. but it was still daytime for us. Okay. And there's your three days, three nights. Okay. I, well, it's, like, it's like, we're not really celebrating. It's not Jesus' actual birthday. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, yeah, no, I know that one. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying that's not even close. Right. That's what we do. Like culturally we're, we're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Setting aside these these like <laughs> days, these moments—they're not the actual like. You, you mean know? like who cares about the context? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. At least in the Bible, it's not like on December twenty-fifth. Like, <laughs> like yeah. this is specific about the three days, and I'm like, hold on. I mean, it's like, it's like forty-two right. hours. <laughs> exactly. I mean, we got to remember that what Abib is a month in the Bible. What the heck is Abib? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, so it could slide in right after April. Is it? It's not Hebrew for February. That that's all I do. <laughs> no. know. Yeah. So so it's interesting. Okay. Anyway, well, homie, you know we're glad to have you back on the podcast, and we're excited because since we last spoke, you've been uh, a bit of a an all star and a celebrity. Um, no Hillsong, but uh, <laughs> really uh, hype for all the things that you did. You got you some awards and just did a, a few other pieces. Like catch us up, man. What's what's been going on? What's been going on? I don't know. Is it during the pandemic that we talked? Yeah. Or was it before? No, it was during. It's probably during. I feel like the pandemic's been going for a decade. Yeah, because yeah, we had, you know, <laughs> I just remember we had that discussion about how you were getting ready to come out, you were excited, and then everything got shut down. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, book okay. tours and stuff so went away. it wasn't away. before. Yeah, it's, um, I think what happened with the goodness of what came from Parable was sort of out of my hands. <laughs> um, You know, and like quite literally out of my hands because the pandemic was happening and you know a lot of us or majority of us were on lockdown so whatever was happening with the book was just happening because I wasn't present to 
experience the things that were happening with the book. And I don't just mean, you know, award shows or anything like that, even though that was part of it. But, you know, like if it was in a magazine or somebody says, oh, I saw you in such and such, it would be like, oh, I'd get a text message. You know what I mean? And I'd be in the backyard with my dog, my family. Like it wasn't, there wasn't any buildup. It was just, it happened. It was always anticlimactic. You know, it just happened. (laughs) like this most notable work of your life and like you know the springboard and you're like yeah it's kind of weird like if you're a creator of any kind you mm-hmm. you you're responsible to create but then once you release it like yeah you you are out of control you have no control yeah. over anything now you know yeah i think with the latest book i'm learning that a bit more mm-hmm. i think with parable i was forced to learn that mm-hmm. like i but i i don't think had we not gone into lockdown that I would have that I, that I really would have gotten that lesson because I was trying so hard to be on the receiving end and, and be present and just be a part of it, which wasn't a bad thing Yeah. in my mind. That was the plan. The plan was to be there for everything and be a part of it all. Right. Like, Yeah, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I just was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be around. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have the heads up, you know, the whole thing. So, what happened from the pandemic was that it just forced me to just be like, well, I guess whatever happens, happens, you know. And so I look back, and when I do do interviews now, people say, "Oh my gosh, Parable is such a celebrated book," and this and that. I still am not like. It's not that I don't know what they're talking about, but I'm still not as connected to that experience. <laughs> You're like, who celebrated? I had one cookout. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> it sounds like they're talking about something else, like, you know, yeah. something that I wasn't a part of. Huh. That's weird. But not in a bad way. It just sounds like something. Actually, not that I wasn't a part of, but that I was like, like the equivalent of watching kids outside play when you're young, but your parents was like, no, you can't go outside. And you're just looking out the window, watching them play. Like, <laughs> I feel like that. Like I'm watching, I was watching it from a window. Well, things take place. And they're so, playing the game that you came up with. Exactly. You're like, Hey, this would be a fun game. Okay. <laughs> everyone else go play it, but you can't. Yeah. yeah. That's a, this is the pettiness <laughs> that it reminds me of um my goddaughter. Uh, I forget what birthday. I think it was like her seventh or eighth birthday. And, and her mom is a savage. And so she was acting up that day and I heard probably one of the best lines I've ever heard a parent say in my entire life. She was like, listen, you got one more time to do something and I'm going to send you upstairs and we go sing happy birthday without you. And I was just like, (laughs) wow, that's genius. And you can just imagine like, yeah, yeah. So it was just like, so we, we sing a happy birthday to, to, to parable and you know, you was yeah, upstairs. I, there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you didn't misbehave though. So I guess yeah. it was, I, yeah, yeah. yeah so, cool. Yeah. So that's interesting. Interesting. And then when I went back, um, because you know, I work at a boarding school. So when we went back, um, we were fully there, we were fully present. And that was a good distraction for me because a lot of people were isolated and I was still very much living and living and working in community, but, and, you know, just different, everything was different. So, but then I, while, you know, Parable was doing its thing, that's when Unbossed came about the, the latest book. Um, and I wrote that during that time, that was an interesting, write. You know, because I was really writing about girls, too, very similar to Parable and writing their stories. But these were actual, you know, young women now who are doing real work in their communities and in Mm -hmm. the world. And I really just wanted to share their stories through like a leadership lens. Yeah. Um, Writing that was cool. But I think since it's come out, I started on the machine of you know, and you have to do it. You have to promote your book. So I started on the, you know, appearances and, you know, and like podcasts and, you know, Facebook lives and, you know, you're just being asked to do different things and then also had some in-person stuff. But after March, because it came out in March, early March, I just was like, I don't know if I want to be on the machine anymore. Like, <laughs> And I, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm retiring or I'm not writing. <laughs> that wasn't like, it. This is about to it, be a very awkward conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so, demanding. So we're not going to talk about it. It is. It's the, the it's demanding yeah. and it's, it's like a, I don't know, it's like, I don't want to be extreme by saying like, I don't want to sell my soul to it, but like, right. that's almost mm-hmm. what it feels like, like what is asked of you to just constantly like 
be exposed and posting and then you're comparing yourself to other people and you're like, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. And I see others, like I, there's a person that I'm thinking of who I, who I greatly admire. Um, but this person, I see them feeling the pressure of the machine mm. and they're constantly thinking about social media and thinking about this. Oh my God, oh my God, you know? Um, and I'm like, no, I don't want to not enjoy my life. Number one, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to not enjoy the book, but so when I say that I learned the lesson uh, about letting go and parable because, you know, it just, it was inevitable for unbossed. I now actually like am taking the proactive step of saying, I think I'm good. I think whatever happens, happens, you know, Jordan. So when you say like, um, that like, oh, you must be doing, you know, podcasts and interviews before this. I was like, no, like once April 1st rolled around, I was like, if something, you know, comes my way, but I'm not out actively pursuing, mm-hmm. you know, I have a really big one at the end of the month, but, um, but even then, you know, I'm not actively pursuing. If people ask me, then that's cool. And I would love for, you know, I would love for Unbossed to do good things. And I believe Unbossed is doing good things, you know, for, for particularly for young. Parable is like very, not an adult book, but I wanted adults to really read it. Whereas I want, um, I do believe that younger people can benefit from unbossed seeing themselves or seeing rep, you yeah. know, rep, reflections of other young people. Yeah. So whatever happens, happens. <laughs> yeah. It's important for like the stories that you're telling and the things that you're doing for, I think multiple generations to read it. Right. Because I think, so trying to convince a young person that, that they need to be quote unquote unbossed. Right. Like that's not a hard sell. <laughs> but but trying to get the people who are currently the bosses to understand why that could be a benefit is Mm. really difficult and so you're right like you need you kind of need it to be open to to all sorts of people because you know the only place that empathy comes from is if you understand something you don't understand already right like (laughs) so i think part of my like recent disposition of saying like i'm just gonna step back and whatever happens happens is part of the lessons that i've learned from the young from the from the young women um they're constantly teaching me and you know some of them i have you know closer relationships but even teaching me just when i'm watching them on social media Mm -hmm. you know um and that's sort of the point of the book, right? Like, particularly when it comes to adults reading it, like you said, like that we position ourselves kind of like when Jesus is like, you know, if you come to me like a, like this child, well, like that's how we need to learn. You know, that's how we need to approach these young people as though they're our teachers. Yeah. And a, one of the biggest lessons that I learned from these eight young women is like, they will step back like in a second. And it's rubbed off on me. I didn't realize <laughs> it. You know, it really has. Like, there's one, there's one young woman, Tia Moy Roberts. She was um, uh, she was a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School when um, yeah. the Parkland shooting occurred, yeah. and um, she went on to be a part of March for Our Lives, and um, really felt like you know bringing up uh, the issues that that particularly young Black and Brown. Um, students and just young people face in communities when it comes to gun violence is something that she really wanted to highlight. And so she went around speaking and, you know, going to class and then flying out to something the next day, you know, doing the March for Our Lives tour that summer. Um, so, but, but, you know, now she's like crocheting. She's at Stanford. She, you know, is a part of some stuff here and there. But, you know, she says like, when I, when I read the book or she's like, when I've read my chapter, she's like, it's like, I'm looking at another person. She's like, oh, she's cool. You know? Cause she was like, I don't do any of that anymore. I might join March for our, I mean, mm-hmm. I you know she's like, I'm done with March for our lives. She's not, might. <laughs> she's done. <laughs> um, and you know, not in a bad way. She's just like, I worked for two years after that trauma, we went right into working. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, I just started going to therapy this year and I want to crochet. And you know, like, I don't want to do it. I just want to be in Stanford. I just want to be a student. Well, talking about like the experience of being eaten up by the machine. I mean, those kids, good Lord. I mean, it was, those kids were in, in an environment that was just, I mean, it was just deplorable a a lot of the time, you know, they're out here trying to tell you their story. And I mean, they're being called, you know, uh, fake activists and they're false flags. And what they're saying isn't even true. And it was like, this is 
this is uh, these are 16 year olds like yeah. this is awful yeah, how people were treating those kids exactly i remember that was that was the first time i saw any real misinformation um it wasn't a deep fake obviously but i think one of the girls i can't remember which one specifically was holding something and it was on fire and somebody took whatever that was and and replaced it with what the bill of rights or something something yeah they're like yeah. oh they're burning this and it's like no yeah. no yeah, no they're really yeah. not yeah, yeah, and so I know that they yeah. had to go through a lot. And actually, that was one of my one of my favorite chapters, um, specifically just because of what she was able to do, and also the fact that you were able to highlight in the end that her focus became mental health. Um, because yeah, I, I imagine the trauma of being somebody that age, having to go through that experience, um, and just really, you know, the God connection in there, and the fact that she was there and then left twenty minutes before it actually happened. Right. That yeah. that's wild. Yeah. That's 100% crazy to me. Um, yeah. That but, by the time she left the school, everything was fine. And then by the time she got to where she was going, ugh. yeah, down the street. Like that survivor's was, remorse thing. It's just, it's so real. People yeah. feel terrible about um, that stuff. Yeah. Like, ooh. Yeah. She definitely had that. Um, and, you know, went back and subsequently, you know, burying friends and going to funerals and just the attention. You know, <laughs> yeah. But, but aside from Tia, there was another young woman uh, named Jay Shell who I was doing an Instagram live with recently, and um, she she started an organization called Gen Z We Want to Live mm-hmm. um, in Rhode Island, and does great work. She's a, definitely a political activist in my mind. But um, I said, Jay Shell, you know, I've noticed your um, her Twitter is full of WrestleMania. I mean, everything is WrestleMania. <laughs> You know, on galore, and she's got all these people, and I watch the comments, and they're all people that are in it. And so she's like, "Yeah, I'm all in there." Like she was like, "I love wrestling." She's That's like, hilarious. I love the world of wrestling, and I was like, "Wow, I mm. you didn't mention this, you know?" <laughs> you know, and she's like, "What I learned from that because she had said to me, I'm always going to be doing the work of racial justice, like even if, even if it's in WrestleMania." You know, she was like, that's just my interest now. I'm always going to be consistently who I am, regardless of my changing, you know, interests for the moment. She's like, I might run for state Senate still, but I'm just going to go to college first and love (laughs) then now run for state Senate. And I just anyway, the point I'm trying to make is just they're so they're young to, to have that confidence to be learning that lesson of. I don't have to be moved by the masses and the popularity and all of that, that like they can be going, going, going and doing this and then be like, I just want to do wrestling now, you know, or <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, do crocheting and be you know, yeah. at Stanford. Like they don't feel the pressures to have to be a part of anybody's machine. I absolutely love that. It is rubbed off of me completely. Yeah. Well, and it's also like beyond, not just part of anybody's machine, but almost beyond like the stereotype, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's it's kind of weird to think that you know a uh, a uh, uh, a black young woman would be like wrestling's cool like what wrestling's cool or that's, that's strange <laughs> that's just yeah. strange it is I'm gonna be honest with you but uh, you know we'll we'll pray for her and things will will get better for her and I don't know I, see I, Jordan I you're part of the problem I stopped watching <laughs> when I was 14 well no at the same time I was gonna say I I, I laud it because at the end of the day you know if we take a look at um, just the the setup of society in the West and the understanding. I've just had a big old culture conversation with um, a family friend of ours yesterday who's trying to get a business off the ground. Uh, one of the craziest businesses that I've ever seen before. Uh, you know, she she does the whole Disney princess thing. Mm. And like, it was just a, a time to turn it into like an empire. You don't realize how many parties those folks do. Like she's, she can make some cash, yeah. uh, but I don't want to see her burn at both ends of, you know, and so I, I see that. And in our society, that's the setup. Like you, in order to feel like you matter, you have to be involved in everything. Right. And so that's one of the reasons I really did like this book specifically. And I was going to kind of ask you about this anyway, just, you know, I, I ask my particular questions about books now. Like if you could sum it up in one word, how would you, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, I just love the fact that in this one specifically, uh, because I think it was because they are so young. Uh, they haven't gotten to the point yet that they've been engulfed in the rat race theology that is America, um, you know, and trying to live out the American dream. And and I just love the fact that some of the things you pinpoint are that they understood how serious their passion for something was. But then they also knew 
when to say when for whatever reason, whether it be for a time or permanently. And mm-hmm. so I feel like that's something that's a lesson that we can all take. Uh, because I don't know, like, you know, some people leave vacation days on the table on jobs that give them vacation mm-hmm. days. I'm like, I was just, y'all is stupid. And then especially coming yeah. out of a, a, a pandemic where many of us suffered in some way, shape, form, or fashion, uh, I think we could benefit from the understanding of how important those things are, mental health or yeah. family time or yeah. finding a hobby. I mean, that's why I ain't mad at crocheting and still concerned about WrestleMania, but you know, it is what it is. Um, I just, I really did, I really did appreciate that. So, you know, um, speak to uh, kind of your process coming off of Parable into this. Like, I, I know you kind of said it a little bit, but I want you to unpack it a little bit more. Like, you know, you showed us a real underbelly in Parable. Um, Uh, about stereotypes in America, specifically concerning beautiful black women and women of color. Um, Translate that into why you thought it was so necessary to give us unbossed. It was the timing. I wasn't, um, I wasn't interested in writing a second book again when um, (laughs) said to me, you know, Hey, we'd love for you to start thinking about a second book. I was like, Nope, I'm enjoying (laughs) parable. Like, don't even come at me about a second book. 2020 is my year. It is, I am just going to enjoy Parable. Fast forward one month. Uh, And then when we went into lockdown and and then I had another moment of, nope, I'm not going to be one of those people that writes a book during a pandemic. I'm not going to force myself to be productive, you know, when we're all just trying to make it every single day, trying to figure, figure stuff out. So I was like, I'm going to bake cupcakes. And I was here at my parents' house, my sister, you know, like, that was just what was going to do. But there was a moment that was happening, particularly b- right before George Floyd was killed. Uh, I feel like we talked after. I think we talked that June. Like, I remember it was around that time. But anyway, it's fine. Let me go look. <laughs> but it was right before George Floyd was killed because I believe he was killed maybe the end of May. Yeah. But right that was the students were graduating. We were talking about high school graduations and college graduations and how the class of 2020 was doing and how kids were in general because of, you know, all the changes that that they had to make and they couldn't say goodbye to their friends. So Gen Z had the spotlight. Gen Z was like front and center and everybody wanted to know how are the kids? Are the kids all right? And we saw, you know, Barack Obama's like graduation. He had a virtual graduation on TV. You know, just it was kids everywhere. So I felt like they were really stepping up to the plate um, in the sense of like, wow, they have to really deal with all of this, you know, now the effects of the pandemic, but prior to that, you know, school shootings, you know, I mean, they're just, they're constantly dealing with things, <laughs> yeah. being re- you know, having to come out resilient. Well, then after that was what happened with George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And what we saw with George Floyd in the aftermath was similar to what we saw in the aftermath of Mike Brown. We saw the emergence of a generation of young voices that are really taking the center stage. With Mike Brown, it was millennials. And with Trayvon, it was millennials. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Gen Z with this with this this situation. We really saw that. And actually, Daniela Frazier, who took the video, right. was what? Was she 15? 17. She was 17, I think. 17? Yeah. She's a teenager. You know what I mean? So, um, and a young black girl, you know what I mean? Really like in her cell phone footage was really what allowed for all of this. Yeah. So anyway, so that was really the thought process. That was when my thoughts were going. And I was like, wow, young people are really leading the way. And I went back and said, you know, when I was talking to my publisher and say, I would love to see um, or to sort of like do a expose of young particularly young black teen uh, girl, young women, I don't want to say girls because I keep saying young women, um, who are leading organizations, you know, et cetera. So that was really, um, I was like, if I'm going to do a follow-up to Parable, I wanted to focus on leadership mm-hmm. and not necessarily theology and um, really us taking their leadership seriously. So that was how that, was how that started. Yeah, I was kind of wondering like how you, piece something like this together like do you have themes you want to hit and then you find people that fit the theme or are you trying to find people willing to be a part of the book and then you kind of weave the narrative in there yes for the second one so once I get the idea in my head and I pitched it 
Um, then it became, I got to find the girl, find the girls. And it's very similar for, un, uh, not embossed for parable, even though they were anonymous stories. I let the, the stories guide the chapters. So yeah. I wasn't like, oh, I want to write about the strong black woman. So I'm going to find this person. You know, I was right. looking, I wasn't like that. I, it was her story that informed the, the chapter. Same thing with these girls. I really just researched and found the girls. Um, one, one or two I knew already. Mm -hmm. um, and then others, you know, I saw one in Teen Vogue. I also wanted ones that weren't um, at the forefront. So like that we're doing the work, but that we may never have heard of right, them before. Right, yeah. Um, so how, so do, how does that process go? Like you call them up and you're yeah, like, hey. <laughs> well, you DM because that's how they'll respond. Well, yeah, yeah. Right, sliding in the DM. Sorry, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm like, yeah, call them. That's your DM. <laughs> Sending an email um, would be professional, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. mostly DM um, and just say, hey, look, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, book, I you know I don't have it yet. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'd love to interview about your leadership. Would you be interested? Um, that was sort of it. And then they, you know, most people in the summer of 2020, we weren't doing nothing. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? So it was like, oh, let's hop on a Zoom call, and it was it was a little simpler to do that. And mm -hmm. I just recorded the Zoom calls. Um, one girl I would live not far from here, so I just went to her house and we sat in the backyard. Um, and I Six feet apart. And... Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> at the time, you know, we didn't know nothing. So she was far. And we right. were outdoors. <laughs> On the other side of the fence, just talking yeah, to each other. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so funny. So anyway, not funny, but funny. But yeah, so I interviewed and I, I saved um, all the recordings. And then I went back, listened to them. I didn't know what the structure of the book was going to be, though. I just knew I wanted to write about leadership and highlight their leaderships. So I would write their stories out based off of what I would go back and listen to the recordings. And then I did a one-year PhD program in organizational leadership. I didn't finish it because I didn't love it. Um, and I still had all those organizational leadership books. I remember when I left that program thinking, I've just wasted all this time. I don't know what I'm going to do with these books. And I remember when I was writing one of the girls' um, stories, I looked back and I was like, hmm. And I went and got the books. And then I went and found the, the folder on my laptop that I still had of the papers that I wrote about all the different leadership theories. And it was just an easy, I was like, wow, this fits. And I went, <laughs> I went to see, the, I went to look at the leadership theories that I wrote about and I would read it and then be like, this sounds like, Jay Shell, <laughs> like hey. Jay Shell, and I'm looking to see the qualities of certain leaders, and I'm like, Jay Shell is an adaptive leader. That's how that went. Nice, okay, excellent, excellent, very cool. Yeah, um, I actually I was really in, impressed by that. I love how you just began breaking down their different types of leadership, um, and how it was pretty. It was almost self-explanatory and witnessing exactly what they did because I, th I think you mapped out them very, very well. Uh, I think you do that anyway. That that's what you did in Parable. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. had me locked in Parable. I was like, "Oh my God, this is what mm -hmm. this is. This is how this works." And of course, yeah, yeah, you didn't put the theology in there, uh, which I'm, I ain't mad at. I mean, it it it's been cool. No, but... to let me let me stop you because I was trying to force it in the beginning. So I wasn't as let me not make it seem like I wasn't at that I wasn't because I wish I don't say I wish I was, but I wish I was that. <laughs> This book's going to be about theology and this is going to be about leadership. No, I was trying to make it work. And my editor was like, you look like you're trying to make it work. <laughs> like it was in my writing. Yeah. It looked forced. It wasn't forced in parable. It was, that was the specific goal of parable was okay. to sort of have a different theology. But for this, I remember I tried to do Jesus's different types of leadership styles mm -hmm. and compare the girls to that. But it was so didn't fit. <laughs> Yeah, that feels like it would have been a little. I had to come to terms with. <laughs> oh, that, that's fair. It's okay. Yeah. It's hey, you know what? Sometimes the book writes itself. That's probably easier. So. Uh, yeah, that you know, I I know I'm happy that there were these God moments that took place, but it definitely was not that book. I will revisit that, of course, in the, in the next book. But so yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. No, no, that's. Good. So I was actually wondering because based on the title of the first book, right, Parable of the Brown Girl. How many uh, banned book lists is it on? <laughs> it's not on me, and I'm offended. I know it's like you're feeling left out that you you haven't been banned in Texas I schools am. or something. Yeah, I'm supposed to do 
the I only have one other thing that's planned for for Unbossed. Like I have nothing planned. It was this podcast and one other thing. And uh, but the next thing is we feel special right now. Man, but once but I was like Ibram was on the on the uh, (laughs) on the band book list. I was like, maybe I could just touch the hymn. (laughs) (laughs) Like Toni Morrison made it. If only I could aspire. (laughs) (laughs) Get book sales. I don't get no book sales. Yeah. Yeah. No. I know that's true. You get you get that automatic spike of the the bestsellers list. They didn't ask anything about yours. So I'm like, so hopefully one of the little creepers will be like watching Uh, to see who's who's at the. book festival and uh-huh. then be like Arr. it's it's like the one thing that that both sides can agree on if you ban the book then it means that side's gonna buy it right <laughs> like the there dr seuss book got banned and then like a bunch of people even though it had nothing to do with what they thought and it's like oh my gosh yep. Yep, there's that i was gonna say i was gonna see if uh they could ask katanji brown jackson about her book as well um, that seems to work out just the same. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of the book, the children's book that sold massive amounts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, yes. my gosh. Anyway, yeah, uh, focus, people, focus. Hey, 281G fam, this is Jordan, and I wanted to invite you to engage with us, and you can do so so far by one of two ways. The first is by good old-fashioned email. The number two Americas, the number one God podcast at gmail.com. The other is our 2A1G conversation space you can find on FB. Engage, ask real questions. Heck, bleed if you are frustrated. It's all good. We can take it. We just want to support you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all those other crazy things. Uh, But just help get the word out. Hey, thank you 2A1G family for your support for continuing to make sure the truth reclaims the fringes. This podcast is sponsored by Real Relationship Talk, delivering inspirational and real relationship advice for your most intimate relationships. Got problems? Let's solve them, because real trials need real truths. From strong to struggling marriages, it's time to get in the game with marriage coach and podcast host Dana Shea. Listen to the Real Relationship Talk podcast at realrelationshiptalk.com or everywhere podcasts are played. I so I'm picking up on a vibe that this was not the the difficult move after you finally decided to go ahead and write it that I would imagine a parable was. Um, but if there was any difficulty about writing this book specifically, what would that have been? Um, I was a little nervous i think i wish there was a lighter word than nervous not anxious but i i'll say nervous i was a little nervous at because with parable i can write anything i want the girls were anonymous mm. i can make stuff up wow. you know what i mean okay. like yeah. nobody's gonna call me to task boy that's unethical but okay <laughs> it is, right? but so 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 it was really me and my integrity and you know me feeling like i'm i'm answering to god you know during that process and, and during any process it should be that way but you know, you don't have that outside accountability. Whereas this, I actually did. Mm-hmm. And, and with gr- using like uh, chapter three or four is about a woman, young girl named Grace Callwood, who was, yeah, uh, yeah diagnosed they, with stage four non-Hodgkin's They can serve. Yeah, I love that one. A great organization. She's cancer-free now. Um, but her mother was in the interview with her when I did it. And, you know, they just, you don't know the person, not me. I'm talking about them looking at me. You don't know. And they're trusting this, that I'm not going to exploit their story, you know? Um, So I really wanted to make sure that I presented myself as authentic as possible to them. And then I wanted to make sure that I wrote her story and did it. So when I sent the chapter, so I was sending chapters into each of the girls or to Grace's mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that for Parable, you know, Um, when they weren't like, I really wanted them to fact check it more than anything, but I would, I was nervous, like, okay, I'm going to send the chapter. I wonder what they think about it. You know? Uh So Grace's mom texted me one night and was like, there's tears in my eyes. Like, you know, we don't even really know you, but you were able to capture my baby, you know, those things. And I was like, Oh, that, (laughs) that was really affirming for me or for any of the girls to feel like, you know, I captured them. Um, and at least a glimpse of their story. So that that was difficult, um, like mentally, I think, more than anything. And just making sure in this short interview that I was able to 
get them. But I did more than the interview. I mean, a lot of them are Googleable. So, you know, I'm I'm watching videos and looking at them on Instagram. I'm researching the girls and mm-hmm. spent time with them for I wouldn't switch chapters. I would if I was writing Grace's chapter, I was writing Grace's chapter and I'm not moving on to the next one until I'm done. So I would spend my time and my 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 mind was thinking and about Grace for weeks. Mm. You know. No, that's good. That's good. I think that would be the answer I was expecting. Yeah, I could imagine that being difficult. It's like you have 12 editors instead of just one or two, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when somebody's editor is yeah. mama, oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> you, don't oh. Wanna, you don't wanna piss off mama. <laughs> you do what you want yeah. my baby. And I met them. Grace was at my book, re- like I had a little small book release and Grace was uh, there, but I had never met her and her mom came. So that was a good moment for me when they parked and like I saw them and I was like, oh my gosh, like I hadn't, you know, it's been like two years, you know? Um, and I had met them, so it was great to be there in person. You know, that was that was great. So you've had, you know, critical praise and things like that. How many, like, what's one of the cool stories of just some unknown person reaching out to you saying, hey, this book meant this to me, or this helped me through this, you know? Um, Michelle Obama hit me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had... Actually, let me let me say this. It's usually from girls for this one. And the same thing for Parable, I think. But I got mixed people for Parable. But again, a lot more time has passed for people to have read Parable. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. this just came out. So that's the other thing. I don't have as many stories. But last summer, I did a book study of Unbossed with a group. Um, and after, this is before it came out, so they just had the PDF. And... Um, there was a girl that said, you know, I, I think I'm more of a strategic leader. But she said, I never really thought I was a leader because I'm not like out in the front. I'm not a big forefront person. Mm. And so she was like, I never really put two and two together, but I am a leader. I'm just a strategic leader. And I love to do these behind the scenes thing and put these things together. But she was like, that doesn't not make me a leader. Like she, I can just hear her thoughts just like going in her head. You know, it was like fun to hear her talk out loud and process <laughs> it and be like, maybe I am. That was a good, great moment for me because as a young person who, you know, I just played ball. Like that was what I did. I played basketball when I was younger and I didn't, I, you know, I had friends that were like performers or did things out front. I wasn't an out front person. Um, and so, but I felt like I had leadership like skills. Like I felt like I had leadership, but because I wasn't like good with a mic, you know, like, cause I just wasn't out, I just pushed it to the side. So it's good for me to have moments like that with younger people now and say, wow, you're able to get this and then being able to cultivate it now you know, and nurture it um, at a young age, as opposed to just like going your whole adolescence thinking you're not a leader. Like, hopefully this affirms. <laughs> mm-hmm, now right. she's like, I am a leader. And I'm like, you are. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> what you hear from people all the time. Like, you know, the, the athletes want to be the rock stars and the rock stars want to be the yeah. athletes. Like, <laughs> you know, we're always looking at the other side, like, oh, yeah. well, they're so good at being leader. And it's like, and they're looking at you going, man, she has to play with her team. And like, mm-hmm. you know, those people are counting on her. What a great yeah. leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just don't, you're, you're, you don't know. And so that was, um, that was a good moment for me. And then of course the girls in general, watching these young women, um, you know, get, there was, there was one thing that I posted um, of a girl that was reading Kennedy's chapter. And I posted that on my Instagram it was a young girl, just like reading it out loud. And Kennedy was like, Oh my gosh, she's reading my chapter. So, <laughs> you know, just to see them be excited about themselves or to see them in Barnes and Noble taking a picture with the book. You know, that just like lights me up, you know, that they were able to see themselves written, but also they're like in the adult book and in the children's book, their pictures are in there. They're documented. And I always say, I think one of these girls is the next Katanji Brown Jackson. Like, I really, I think we'll be able to go back. My dog is snoring. Sorry. Um, I think we'll be able to go back and read about them you know early on it's just a garage door opening jordan it wasn't an earthquake i mean i knew it wasn't but well but you had that look in your eye 
<laughs> that you you had fight or flight and you were definitely about to fly. <laughs> sometimes things happen, man. Yeah. Where I come from sometimes, I mean, if it ain't my fight. I know. But where I come from, I knew that was an earthquake. So I'm just letting you know. <laughs> it's very true. That West Coast my kicking. First, well, my first earthquake was in the middle of the night in California. And I knew I had gotten used to it living out there when there was a basketball game on. And it was like literally like the last 20 seconds. It was a good game. And there was an earthquake. But I really wanted to see the Latin <laughs> the wall. It was just shaking. It wasn't that bad. Uh, like, I'm gonna watch this last like 10, 15 seconds of this game. Yeah, just like, ah, these walls should be okay for a little bit yeah. longer. Yeah. I remember the first earthquake that hit when I moved here to Virginia. We oh had a little earthquake. Gosh. And everyone in my office is like, what was that? And I'm like, that was an earthquake. And my boss is like, no, it wasn't. And I'm like, really? You want to argue this with me? Like, I've 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 lived through a couple. And he's like, he's like, was it really? And I'm like, yeah. And then what was hilarious is in California, like we would do earthquake drills where you dive under the desk at school or you find a doorway or whatever. Instead, the whole building, everyone just went out to the parking lot and everyone's outside standing in the parking lot looking at each other like, well, what do we do now? And I'm like, we go back in? Like, <laughs> like why are you all outside? It's not on fire. It's not a fire. What are, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yeah, way great. to go virginia way to uh -huh. go way yep. to go way to go <laughs> anyway all right fine let's get back on topic again y'all in these earthquakes and it was a garage door and a snoring dog yeah yeah all at the same distracted. time yep. way to go good friday uh all right friend hey uh so if you were to because i'm gonna tell you right now I, I usually ask this question but i thought about it and i couldn't even come up with one um i usually ask if you could sum the book up in one word I saw your face. So I just say unbossed. <laughs> I mean, okay, so all right, fine. You can't use the title. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Keep uh, uh resilience. Okay. I can take that. Now why? Oh, that's is that acceptable to you, George? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, you know. I would say out of all the things that I get, like, is that that's a theme in all the girls' stories, their resilience, uh, in spite of, because of, with whatever, uh, really shines. I actually think resilience is the word for Generation Z. Period. Hmm. Um, you know, the book happens to be about black girls, but I do believe that it, this is a uh, uniquely resilient generation. You have to be. You absolutely have to be. I cannot imagine being a teenager in all of this. You know. Yeah, I'm concerned about my kids. <laughs> it's yeah. just, it, things are just more difficult now. I think resilience is good. I don't think that that's something that ends up being like a, a common trait associated with leadership necessarily. Like there's so many other things like, mm -hmm. you know, oh, they're they're motivating or they're, yeah. you know, they're they're humble or, you know, but resilience when you think about it, if you're leading, like you're the first person to meet resistance. And so mm -hmm. if you aren't resilient, then no one behind you is going to be, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So and yeah. This, this last decade has just been characterized by resistance for them. I mean, yeah. they can't get a break, dude. Like, no. you know, and I, it's not to put it all other generations have gone through, you know, everybody has their, their lot that they have to carry. Um, but you know, when I, told and i think i shared this with you guys once when i told a 10 year old that i've never had an active shooter drill in school that i had we had fire yeah, drills yeah. right yeah i had earthquake drills I yeah <laughs> never had an active yeah. shooter drill i was like that's sad when i heard those were a thing i'm like <laughs> why is this a political issue like shouldn't right. we be doing anything we can to stop those from happening but right. you know i guess not. Have that, you know yeah. like yeah. but between that and then now this and you know and just but they still keep going they're planning their proms and their masks you know right, I mean, they just right. keep going mm. i feel like the events because like you said every generation has something right or, or multiple things but i just feel like the events are just getting closer together <laughs> like, right you know it's like you've got uh just all these different things you, you had 9-11 then you have like the financial crash like those are two things that would just happen in one generation not yeah. within you know basically seven years of each other <laughs> right. you know right, then yeah. then you have uh all of the kind of the 
the racial comeuppance with all yep. the stuff that we've had to come to terms with amid the pandemic, you know, and then you have like Will Smith slap Chris Rock, like yeah. all these events. Yeah. It's just, they yeah. come very close together now. Apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that last piece yeah. is War definitely, yeah. you know, the yeah. whole thing that they, this is what they're growing up yeah. in. And yet they're still talking about WrestleMania. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and and knitting, know? knitting blankets. Still and knitting. Yeah. Still yeah. Doing it. I'm just like, how are you not in a corner? So, and still prioritizing their mental health. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I and was, and at the forefront of getting older people to think about it more too, you know? Yeah, that I think that's the biggest piece too cuz if you pay attention to it's it's almost it's it's interesting. I saw some stats yesterday that basically break down the naivete of like elders and boomers um because they aren't connected to things like social media, which I think in a bit in, in a way is like a bit of a blessing and a curse. Well, they are. They're just connected in the very wrong ways. <laughs> some of them, well, you know, I mean, some of them think Facebook is it's like the stupid commercial where like they have all their photos on their wall. Uh, like their actual wall inside their house. And not, yeah, yeah, so it's just just fun stuff, man. Fun times, fun times. But um, but no, I I, I specifically think, and the reason why I couldn't give this one just one word um was because I just think about what you know what Unbossed really embodied, which was power. So I would have gone with power, but then I was just like, but then why the power though? You know, and and a lot of it really hinged more so upon the understanding of of their levels of authenticity. And then the real word for me was vulnerability. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, the and in a, in, a, in a broad stroke in a sense, and then in so many different details, you were able to kind of lay out their life. And then what I appreciated about you, friend, was that you laid out your life in process. He's like, yeah, I've, I struggled with this when I was younger and I don't understand how they can do it. And I'm just like, yeah, I think we yeah. we could all afford to sit up here and kind of say the same thing and just kind of pull those notes. Like I was thinking, you know, Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine, of course, uh, you know, grace is sufficient, powers made perfect in weakness. And, and so many of us really do not take the time to address the weaknesses of our lives, but more importantly, uh, not address them in a sense of, hey, I need to make these strong, but more in a sense of, and of course, I'm bringing the theology in, um, you know, you just lay it at the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. operate in the understanding of what happens in the next verse in verse 10, you know, when, 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 when I'm weak, then he is strong. And then we get the testimony that comes from that. And that, so really these chapters were really just testimonies to how they developed their resilience. And almost every single time, I think you said that they were really hinged upon the, a life of faith. Um, and so that was beautiful just to kind of see that. And then they say, Hey, I'm struggling with this mental health piece or, Hey, I realize that this needs this kind of care of my life. And I just, you know, it's, it's cool because it helps all of us to say that the facade that we have of just being these super strong people at all times is, is nothing but tomfoolery. And that if we took the opportunity to really invest in ourselves and do the self-awareness and the self-care, um, you know, th- there's no better way to operate in life than that. Uh, and so it's it's crazy because ultimately what you what you see in addition to that is the fact that you use these young folks who are so accomplished, you know, to have them be that accomplished at this stage of life. Like if they didn't do anything else the rest of their lives, they probably yeah. done more than a percentage of, of, of people in America have already done. And so, you know, I just kind of give it a salute um, to, to that extent. And there wasn't really a question that came from that. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I, I, I Thank that. you. I appreciate it because they they are they are inspiring me. And I just um, I don't want us to wait till. You know, because here's what I see, like with Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, right? Everybody's pulling up all these pictures of her when she was younger. This girl was going to be Supreme Court. They're doing all this stuff. She didn't know. Little did she know where she was this. And I'm like, wow, wouldn't it be so great if we paid attention to them now when they're this age? Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Until they become who they are to be like to whip out the old pictures. You know, I mean, imagine what if she was a chapter in in this book when she was 15 years old. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's like the, you know, you, we, we wait to say the nice things about people until their funeral. <laughs> like we might as well, might as well do it now. Uh, I, I think it's interesting, Jordan, that you said at first you were thinking the word would be power and then you went to vulnerability and like those two things are <laughs> to a lot of people, those two things are on, on complete separate ends. And I think that what the younger generations, the Gen Zers are, are realizing is that so much of kind of the prior generations, you know, my generation included, is you took on leadership for power. Mm-hmm. And they're taking on leadership not for power, but but for, for others. It's like for testimony. Right. <laughs> right. 
you know, and you're doing these, these vulnerable things and coming to terms and it makes so many people uncomfortable when people are vulnerable, especially in a position of power. And that's why, like, you see some of these, you know, I mean, recent political leaders that we've had who were vulnerable never, because mm. if they tried to mm. be that way, Come on. then they would, they feel like they're jeopardizing their power. But in any relationship I've had, the more vulnerable you are, the more trust and ultimately the more power comes through that relationship. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. So I think that was it. I think I, I, you said it a little bit better than I did, but I think more so because I was just talking about a frame. But if yeah, we're painting pictures, yeah, that's exactly what that would be for me because I am, uh, you know, I mean, we've had enough conversations. We see everything that's happening in in leadership in the world, and leadership in the church, and leadership period. Um, and one of the things I've also always been able to note is that my favorite leaders are those who, you know, I'm not going to say. Well, let me just fringe it. Didn't give a rip. You know what I'm saying? But right. not in the sense that, they, you know, they were just careless, but they didn't give a rip about what people were going to think about them, the decisions they made. Um, you know, I mean, Jesus is obviously the the leader of all leaders, and he really didn't give one uh, because he spent more time uh, dealing with those who were outcasts uh, in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, giving them the comfort and then disturbing the ones who had it all together. And, you know, just uh, I, I feel like we we can continue to operate in that model. I think it's a tale this oldest time. I think history is repeating itself. I think that we're all being put in the same situation over and over again because we mm-hmm. failed to learn from it the first time. Um, and and I think that the biggest testament to that and everything that's happened in the past two years specifically, aside from the fact that, you know, this one right here had a whole summer to do nothing, so she wrote a book. Um, <laughs> that she didn't want to write. Yeah, that, yeah, that she didn't want to write. Um, is that we now see that we can begin to rewrite some of those stories and also redesign some of the methodology uh, that's been on the forefront for decades and even centuries and even in some cases millennia. You know, I'm thinking from, from a church history perspective, so many people look at the Christianity of 327 with Constantine more than they ever look at the Christianity of AD 33 with Jesus. And it's weird to me because that was the powerful infrastructure and even that one collapsed. And and so I just feel like we really need to pay attention to uh, the construct of what it means just to be your design, your identity and be comfortable with it, which is all these girls. <laughs> and And then take that and just operate in a sense of not giving a rip, which I guess is what I'm going to call that from from here on out, um, and and seeing what God is able to do with that. You know what I'm saying? Because what he's able to do with them has been powerful, and I have no doubt that if everybody else kind of fell in line with that, we'd probably have a lot more powerful people mm-hmm. um, doing a lot more powerful things for the kingdom. So there's a, there's a weird balance there to me, though. Like when I was listening to you say that leaders you know who didn't give a rip and then Jesus didn't give a rip. The The difference is, and this is what I'm, what I'm hopeful of our the, kind of the upcoming generation, the upcoming leaders, is because they they give just the right amount of, of rip, I guess. Is <laughs> <laughs> like they do care what other people think, but they care so that they can actually improve. Mm-hmm. Where the, the leaders of the past who didn't care, they didn't care because they're just like, look at me, I'm a maverick, I'm brazing. The reason why Christ didn't care is because he was quite literally blameless and knew it. <laughs> These other leaders are not That's blameless, fair. and they but they refuse to take the blame on. Where yeah. I think younger leaders, I see so much in the power of their willingness to be vulnerable because they do care about what other people think, but they care not from an ego standpoint. They care from a how can I improve standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and I think That's I think the the book gets to a lot of that stuff and it just shines through like the difference in how people are approaching how they engage with others and how they lead others and how they, they carry things forward. Yeah. Well, we got a little bit of time left. And so I know I asked you this question before, so maybe I need to rephrase it just a little bit. Cause I mean, if I was to ask you about, or if there's one thing you could tell everybody, what would it be? I'm pretty sure it'd be the same thing uh, because that's your passion. I don't know if you remember that, but it was <laughs> support Brown girls. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, but so let me see if I can phrase it a little bit differently. No, I probably can't. Um, but yeah, now if you're telling any, if you're telling, uh, us anything, um, pertaining, uh, to the unbossed understanding of, of brown women and leaders, um, for, for the foreseeable future, since we see the opportunity now 
There you go. So now that we have a pathway, because I don't think we ever really saw a pathway prior to this. I'm be honest with you. Even with the great, amazing black women that paved the way, I don't think we ever saw a pathway. There's officially a pathway now. Yeah, yeah, I found it. Sweet, go me. Um, what would you say? And you could say this. It could be just specifically to brown women, or it could be to everybody, and just tell them give brown women a chance. I don't know. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but uh, yeah, if you if if there's one thing you can say now that there's a pathway, what would you say? Stay in your lane. <laughs> Ooh, oh, it hit. Well, th- I mean, there's a path for a reason. That hit different. <laughs> I know, right? I think uh, it's very tempting to jump oh, now, you know, especially that you're saying there definitely is a pathway. It's even more imperative for us to stay in our lanes. Um, and I don't, it's usually used in a snarky way, that phrase, but I don't yeah, mean that. Is. that. Um, <laughs> right. It is, uh, we each have our own unique lane that is designed for us. And I just spoke on this the other day at a little youth worship service and said, we each, you each have your own calling, your own purpose, but the um, conspiracy winds up being when we're jumping to everybody else's, you know, trying to be like everybody. Mm. We, we, in order to function wholly as a, as a body, as a community, need everybody to play their role and to, to do their part. And so, discovering for the young people, I was saying you discovering what that is, um, is most important. What it is about you, your gifts, your passion, your, what you do. Um, now again, at the same time, it doesn't mean that you don't explore, right? Like, for example, that's like me saying, Oh, I just need to write about black girls forever. But right now that's my lane, right? Like right now that's what God's called me to do. And, at some point, maybe there'll, there'll be an opening for there to be an exploration of other, but um, somebody said, you know, you write about black girlhood in theology. That's what you write about. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I guess it is. And, you know, I actually, this leadership book was going to be a general Gen Z leadership book originally. Um, and then it was like, well, you just wrote parable, just stick with, you know, and I don't think I was limited but that's my lane, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that it's important for us to not stick with what we know, but to um, live out who we are most authentically and fully without um, the temptation of trying to be in somebody else's space or to mimic someone else and do what other people do. That's mm. why the girl that said to me, look, I'm a strategic leader. I thought I had to be like everybody else, but no, I, my gifts is here. My gifting is here. And that is what I'm going to do. It doesn't make me any less of a leader. Although that, that definitely sums it up the best. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Cause like, even when you said, somebody told me that I write about, you know, black girls and theology, you, sometimes like your first initial reaction is like, don't tell me what I am. Right, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> But the spirit behind how she was saying it, yeah, that's the difference, right? Right. Yeah. She was yeah. saying it like, "This is what this is what you do." Yeah. Like it was more like that. Yeah. Like this is your contribution. Well, also, Not- who else does that? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody else who really right. has right. that lane. And it, it it's interesting because oftentimes we will be good at something that we might not necessarily like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like you're clearly good at this, and yet you didn't necessarily want to write the second book. No, I was like, we can get more, more people if yeah. I can cover more ground. Yeah. Like, no. And so the next question is, I guess, so what, what comes next for you? What book don't you want to write next? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do want to write more about black girlhood and theology. I, I think uh, parable touched on it. Um, like it was intentional but not as, in, it wasn't a book specifically that it was Parable of the Brown Girl. I was writing about girls and I was, and it just so happened to expound on the the issues and the things that they were facing theologically. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm not really sure if there is a black girlhood theology. Ooh. And so there's a womanist theology that, that d- deals with black women um, and sort of like how how black women perceive the things of God and spirituality and uh, all things theological. It, mm-hmm. it assumes black girlhood, but I think they deserve their own uh, discourse. Mm. So if I do, I think that might be the natural next 
step for me um, because we've seen in seminary, you know, we always talk about books like Carl Barton. I really loved Paul Tillich. He was my favorite. Um, but, you know, the, the sort of white male gaze perspective on justification and Imago Dei and, you know, that's that's who it was funneled through. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But what happens when we take those types of principles or these topics, those like deep theological concepts, and we funnel it through the lens of a nine year old black girl? Wow. So what she said is she's going to come out with a commentary. Mm. Um, really excited for that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm taking yeah. a break. Wow. I was going to like I was pitching that early this year. And um, I was like, I'm going to pitch it. And, you know, my editor was like, all right, we, we're interested. And then my sister said, Unbossed didn't even come out yet. Can you chill? Like, just. <laughs> but for some reason, it just stuck with me because I was like, I, I do need. I like, I, she wasn't trying to slow. Well, yes, she was. But <laughs> thank you. But I think the lesson there for me was I felt like I, it was part of the machine, right? Like, I had to do yeah. that next. Mm -hmm. I want to do it when it's time to do it. And I signed with a book agent. So now I got to really like, uh -oh. at the time I wasn't signed with a book agent. I was just going to pitch it to Broadleaf again, but now I'm signed with a book agent and she's like, you got to have all your T's crossed and eyes. Mm -hmm. It's like having a personal trainer and now you actually yeah. have to eat right yeah. and go to the gym. Yeah. Right. So uh, <laughs> that'll probably be this summer. So much fun. So much fun. Now nah, that's good. So uh, where, are we able to find you? Because I remember last time you gave us this long, drawn-out thing. It's probably still the same, but, you know. Everything is still the same. But, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Christy Adams, Twitter at Christy Lauren. You can just Google my name, and most all of that is going to come up. All right. Also, where you can find the book will come up, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any really local. There are some local bookstores that have picked it up, which has been cool. So I really want to stop by some of them. Actually, Uncle Bobby's, I really want to stop by because I've never been. And I know they have embossed there. And Christy is K-H-R-I-S-T-I. I only yeah, say that because there's say. 11 different ways to spell Christy. Yeah. Yep. And I know this there because my, my mother-in-law is a Christy. And yeah. it was not spelled any way I knew how it was spelled. It took me a while. So. It's 38. <laughs> really? I used to have a blog oh back in the day. It was either 38 or 42. Because I had a blog and it was called 42 Ways to Spell Christy. Or 38 Ways. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, I actually parsed it out. Okay. Wow. Because there's Y and there's E, there's C, there's K. Mm -hmm. I mean, K. -H -K <laughs> there's H. Yeah. You can leave there's the H P, out. But the P is R, silent. The yeah. Yeah. All these, these crazy <laughs> things. But anyway, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, and Chrissy, thank you so very much for coming and hanging out again. We Thank definitely appreciate it. And everybody, please, the book is Unbossed, How Black Girls Are Leading the Way. Um, and so I just love it. And I'll also just kind of give this uh, this predicated note. Yes, I understand this is addressing specifically black women um, and everybody does have their place. But let's let's be real. In the lane of marginalized, there are no more marginalized people than women and black women specifically. And so. Just really want to take the opportunity to celebrate that, which is why I love having her on the podcast. And it's not just for the sake of having her on. The book is good. Get the doc on book. Thank All right, you. cool. <laughs> they wouldn't let her write a second one if it wasn't good. Like, that's how this works. Yeah, okay. usually how that works. Yeah. And there's a middle grade. There's a middle grade version for sixth, sixth to eighth graders called Black Girls Unbossed. Don't have it to show you, but. That's such a cool idea that you're like meeting these generations where they're at. Because so much of. This kind of stuff, especially you, you mentioned like in seminary and stuff, it's it's amazing how long it takes before people let people actually start leading. Oh, you know? Jesus. They're like, oh, well, you need to just experience and listen. Very and true. it's like, well, so. okay, but also then they'll say, you know, the only way to grow is through failure. Well, if you yeah. don't allow me to fail at anything, how am I going to grow? Like everything right. is... <laughs> <laughs> everything is just opposed to everything else that people say. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a contradiction. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you know what? It's all good because over here we don't care. All mm -hmm. right. Excellent. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for uh, checking us out again. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Uh, and as always, please remember to be inspired to inspire because that is what the inspired one does. I'm Jordan. I'm Devin. And this has been Christy <laughs> Lauren Adams.
I'm sorry. Anytime I have a three name person, it's just gonna happen that way. Yeah, he gets real holy. It, it is now. It's just super black bishopy. <laughs> Hallelujah, glory to God. That's synonymous with holy. I think it is. It is actually. You're right. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Anyway, yeah. Thank y'all once again. Check us out next time. We will catch you soon. Peace. Two A One G podcast is birthed by the Inspired One Enterprises, executive and co-producers Jordan Brown and Devin Chandler. Editing and engineering, Lauren Price. Graphics and creative engagement, Alyssa Wise. Intro song for 2A1G done by Dave Hummel Music. Interlude and outro music, Colin Brown. Voiceover experience for 2A1G done by none other than the original, the Reverend Dr. Clarence R. Brown Jr. Thanks, Pop. And thank you everybody else for listening again. Please find us on FB and IG at 2A1G Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this experience with your world. Thank you once again. And until next time, please do your part to ensure the truth continues to reclaim the fringes. Peace.